are powerful, you are awesome. Lord, we are so thankful for all the examples of the people who have come, who have uh, come and gone before us, who, who have demonstrated what it looks like to live a godly life, to love you, and to serve you well. Lord, in that list, we are so thankful for Twilva and her example to so many of us. Lord, we ask that you continue to be with her and her health. Uh, Lord, we ask that when it is her time to go, that she finds peace. Lord, we ask that you also be with, with her family as they, uh, uh, as, they, as, as they will understandably mourn her loss. Uh, but Lord, we know that it is a celebration because he's coming home. Lord, we're so thankful for her. It's in your son's name that we all say, amen. Did you know that 2020, among other things, was the first time in over 100 years that American church membership was below 50%. For the first time, according to a series of annual polls that date back to almost the 1800s, less than half of Americans are members at a church of any kind. Now, you might hear that statistic and think, yeah, that makes sense. 2020 was a a rough year. It was the year that Kobe died. Not to mention, you know, the pandemic. But if if you look at these trends in church membership in recent decades, Membership has been trending down for some time. Until the year 2000, from when the poll began all the way to the year 2000, the average church membership across the country was 70%. In 2010, it was all the way down to 60%. 60%. In 2015, it was down to 55%. And the year before the pandemic began, it was right at 50%. Church membership and attendance and involvement are certainly down across the country due to the pandemic. But if anything, the pandemic has just revealed a frightening reality that is becoming more true every year. This is no longer one nation under God. And that's frightening. Last week we looked at Romans chapter 1 as Tom led us through a study of the glory of God. God's invisible attributes have been made known to all of the world through the things that were created by him and through mankind who was made in God's image. But as people made in God's image, who is getting the glory from our actions? And not just our actions here at this church, but our actions as a society, as a country, as, as a world. This text in Romans that was just read, it it reveals that when man does not work to bring glory to God, they become foolish, closed-minded, self-serving individuals. That's what it says in Romans 1, working for their own glory. What would it look like if an entire society lived this way? At different times in the Old Testament, this was true for God's people, an entire nation who refused to glorify God. Before we continue to look at Romans chapter 1, I invite you to 
uh, look back with me at the book of Judges and see how, how selfish, prideful living can pervert God's glory. In just a moment, we'll be in Judges chapter 2, but first I want to remind you what's happening here in this book. Judges opens in chapter 1, verse 1, with, After the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired of the Lord, Who shall go up first for us against the Canaanites? There are two quick things I want to note here. One, the Israelites are preparing to finalize the claim on the promised land, the land of Canaan, which God has prepared for them. Some of the land has already been settled, but now each of the 12 tribes are preparing to settle in their locations. The second thing is that Joshua, their fearless leader, has just died. This is the Joshua who is one of the two spies who brought back a good report when surveying the land. This is also the Joshua who served as Moses' attendant for most of his time leading the Israelites after the exodus. I include these two things to remind us that the Israelites are not that far removed from the exodus, and they're right on the cusp of receiving their promised land. Close enough to the great wonders performed by God in Egypt to still have a strong belief, and close enough to the finish line to still have hope. At least you would think. Let's keep reading in Judges chapter 2. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works that the Lord had done for Israel in Exodus and on. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. In verse 10, and all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. There's this very rapid transition following the death of Joshua almost immediately after this new generation of Israelite leaders no longer know God or the work that he's done for Israel. This phrase here is oddly similar to the one in Exodus chapter 1 when the new Pharaoh arises and he does not know Joseph or the work that he did in the famine. So he responds by enslaving and persecuting the Israelites out of fear. Here in Judges, now that the Israelites don't know God anymore, what will they do? Let's continue in verse 11. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and they... Uh, uh, of the Baals, and they abandoned the Lord and the God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them, and they bowed down to them. They provoked the Lord to anger. Verse 13, and they abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Asherah. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. He sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. So what do the people of God do when they no longer know God, when they no longer remember what God has done for them? Well, they do evil. They turn to other gods, they turn to other passions, they turn to other desires that seem culturally acceptable. That's, that's what the Baals were. They were the gods of the Canaanites, the people who they were living around. 
And what does God do? Now that the people no longer want God, well, he gives them over to the lifestyle that they have chosen. This book of Judges, it includes this cycle that's repeated time and time again. You're probably familiar. Israel turns away from God. Israel experiences hardship because they're without God. They cry out to God to save them. And God does, usually in the form of a judge, only for Israel to forget about their God once again. When Israel, God's people, don't know God, the consequences are severe. You saw how quickly they forgot that the promised land was God's, not theirs, given to them by him for his glory. One would hope that the book of Judges is this redeeming story for Israel about how how they continued to mess up and how they grew and learned from their mistakes as a nation, growing as God as their king and them as God's people. At the closing line of the book sums up perfectly the state of God's people in chapter 21, verse 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. When there's no king in Israel, everyone does what is right in his own eyes. You see, the Israelites were failing to recognize that God was their king. And in just a short number of years after the book of, after the book of Judges, Israel would get their, they would finally get their wish for a physical king. While there were some highlight moments for some of those men, for the most part, serving an earthly king is devastating for God's people. Especially considering they could have relied on God as their king. Instead, they ignore the one and only king. And when there is no king, everyone does what is right in their own eyes. Even though the Israelites were finally settled in the promised land given to them by God, they pervert what God intended for them because they reverted to self-serving living. We're going to put a pin in the Israelites who are kingless at the end of the book of Judges. We'll come back to them later. Let's return to the book of Romans in Romans chapter 1, as was read earlier. This is our big idea this morning. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. The Apostle Paul is talking about these groups of people, large societies. This is what happens when they don't know God anymore. And when they don't know God, they don't give glory to God. And when they don't give glory to God, they give glory to themselves And what does God do when people no longer want God? Well, he gives them over to the lifestyle that they desire. Next verse, And God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. 
What does this look like? What does it look like when a whole nation no longer wants God? Let's keep reading in verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations with those that were contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves a due penalty for their error. Because when people no longer want God, they are led by their own passions. They're led by their own desires. This was true for the Israelites when they had finally arrived in the promised land. It was true for the people that Paul was writing to in the, in the Greek and Roman societies. And it's true today in 2022. And what's worse is that today in our culture, these issues, these perversions of God's glory are now being framed as human rights. I should have the right to do with my body what I want. How quickly we've forgotten that this is not our body, but it's God's. This body is not for our glory, but it's for God's. And if the people do not know God, they will certainly not recognize him as king. And what happens when the people don't recognize our God as king, everyone does what is right in their own eyes. And continuing in chapter one, verse, uh, ch- chapter 1, verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, and deceit, and maliciousness. They were gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, and boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who participate in such things or practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval of the people who practice them. We could spend a significant amount of time breaking some of these perversions down. Maybe we will in a later series. But there's a common theme among all of these. They are all outcomes of a lifestyle that does not give glory to God. It doesn't matter if people know about God. If people refuse to acknowledge God as king, everyone does what is right in their own eyes. And even though the truth is out there, it's hidden and selfish living prevails. This message this morning might sound rather bleak, because honestly, it kind of is. We began this morning by realizing that church membership has become a marginal number rather than a majority. And now it seems like no matter what we try to do, our society is just going to continue on in evil. 
We've covered a great amount of scripture this morning from the Israelites' arrival into the promised land, Paul's letter to the Romans, and even how that might look in our world. But what do all these things have in common? There are very real consequences that come when people don't know God. What I want us to understand this morning is that there are very real present consequences when creation does not acknowledge our creator. When mankind does not give glory to God, man becomes God. And when there is no God, everyone does what is right in their own eyes. And it might not always be easily visible, but when God's not glorified, there are consequences. When man becomes God, there are consequences. If all of this looks bleak, and I, I hope it does to you, what can be done? Well, the quick answer is that people just need to stop being so selfish. That's the quick answer. But I want to look at this question three different ways. A first question that we need to ask is a history question. What can be done for the Israelites? When we left them at the end of the book of Judges, they were without a king, left to their own devices, left to their own evil. And even though they would eventually get their wish for a king, they would never fully realize the relationship that they had as God's chosen people with the creator of the world. And because of this, they would spend a lot of time in and out of exile and under the rule of evil kings in their own nation. What they could have done was, as a nation, began to take seriously God's role in their country. But in order for that to happen as a nation, it has to start with individuals. That's what the Israelites were missing. Our second question is, what can be done today for us and for them? Us being Christians, people who are baptized believers, and them who, the non-Christians who are exchanging God's glory for their own glory. Well, for us, what can be done for us we need to get serious about our identity as God's image. We cannot rely, it's clear, we cannot rely on our culture to do this for us anymore. And if we aren't serious about our own faith, if we aren't serious about our church body, if we aren't serious about our Christian brothers and sisters, then that unfortunate trend in church membership is going to continue to go down and down. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not overly concerned with how many members we have here at Spring Road. I'm not worried that our church is going to be one of the churches that has to close its doors. However, I am concerned that if we don't reorient our lives to be God first, our communities will pay the price, and our families will pay the price. If God is not the king of our lives, 
then we will become filled with all manner of unrighteousness, as was talked about in Romans chapter 1. Because when there is no king, everyone does what is right in their own eyes. The second part of that question, what can be done today for them, well, the truth is, absolutely nothing can be done. On a national scale, that is. No one can be forced to believe in God. There's no law that could be passed that would solve all these problems in Romans chapter 1. The only thing that can be done for them, the only hope that non-believers have, is us. You see, their problem is that they don't know God. They might know about God, but they don't know Him. Just like the Israelites and Judges, we are now entering into a generation where less and less people know God and what he's done. And if we, the Christians, know God and are going to do nothing about it, then there's no hope for them. And truthfully, if we know God and we're doing nothing about it, then there's no hope for us either. Our third and final question this morning, and really it's the only question that matters, is what can be done for God? Because ultimately, all that matters on this earth is that God's creation would declare his glory. As believers, if we really believe that we're made in God's image, then that is our chief responsibility. Instead of getting caught up in what they're doing, we need to be focused on what we're doing. How are we bringing about God's glory in this church? If we're properly demonstrating our identity as God's image, our lives will bring glory to God, and people will come to know who He is. And instead of, pra- instead of praising the creation, they'll start to look at the Creator. With these questions in mind, once again, I invite you to read with me Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 24. And God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations with those who were contrary to nature, and men likewise gave up natural relations with men and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up, to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, and they were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliceness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree, that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. 
when there is no king, everyone does what is right in their own eyes. Are we living like our God is the king of our lives? This morning, if you're not a Christian, then you're still a slave to the desires of your heart. Sin still has a hold on your life if you're not a baptized believer in Jesus. If you have any need, whether it's here in person or on Facebook, please, please make it known. If not right now, or later this week, or later today. If you're here this morning, it's safe to assume that you believe in the king or you're interested in the king. If you do, then who is getting the glory for your life? Is it you or is it God? We cannot allow selfish living to, to prevail anymore. We can't rely on them. It's up to us. If you have a need, make it known this morning as we stand and as we sing.